Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast by Wales Online, brought to you by Gulliver's Sports Travel. I'm Ben James and today I'm joined by our rugby writers, Simon Thomas and Andy Howell. Uh, Wales duty is over for the autumn now and we get back into the regions. They're all in action with European action ahead of us this weekend. So let's get into it, chaps. I got the post-international lurgy. So I'm going to try not to breathe on any of you. What's Mario? I think I don't know. I, I must be having like a relapse now that we're, the games are over. So uh, I hope you're going to cheer me up in the next I'm 20 minutes. I'm full of life. <laughs> full of life as always. I'm buzzing now the internationals are over. <laughs> so it's an enormous relief there, Andy. Well, yeah, I know, you know, we have a great back at regional rugby. It's a bit of a haul, the international um, series, isn't it? Yeah, like it's yeah, taking its toll on me, Don't forget, taking its toll. Six Nations is only about 60 days away, so it won't be long before we oh, back into it. We can't forget yes, that. I'm looking forward to this big month of regional rugby. Absolutely. European action, great competition, and then the derbies, the Christmas derbies for the Welsh teams. You know, it should be, yeah, it should be really good this season. So yeah, let's start with the uh, Champions Cup. Uh, first game up is Scarlets against Benetton. That's their double header. Uh, starting at Parker Scarlets, um, it's looking like they're going to need possibly four wins out of four to stand. Definitely. A decent chance of qualifying, a good chance of qualifying, isn't it? Yeah, so for sure. If I think they still got a chance, looking at the uh, the group, uh, I think it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Scarlets win there with those four remaining matches. Um, Benetton are much improved, but you would hope this weekend the Scarlets not only beat them but get a bonus point, do a job on them, which maybe will make the return slightly easier. Um, and then they got uh, they're capable. The Scarlets are capable of winning a bath. That was nip and tuck. Could have gone either way at home, and I'm sure the Scarlets can play uh, better, especially if the conditions are a bit drier. So they, they could win over there, and then it could set it up a decider against a uh, potential decider against. Uh, Toulon, you know, Scouts very competitive there, beat them, uh, beat them last season, yep. and I don't see why they can't repeat that. Four wins might take them through, bonus point or two along the way would help. Absolutely. Uh, and they're boosted by the fact that uh, Cubby Boy made his return in South Africa last weekend, James Davis. Yeah, it's kind of a you know mixed, ma- mixed bag, though, isn't it? Because they've obviously lost Jonathan Davis and Jake Ball, you know, two absolute key men up front and behind. So it's going to stretch their resources. Um, I'd expect them to get maximum points at home to Treviso on the weekend, and then that would mean Treviso have lost the opening three, and she'd wonder how much of a priority they would beat on Europe. So, which is quite a good situation for the Scarlets. I think Andy's right. You know, it, it could set up with an absolutely huge game at Bath in the new year. Um, that'd be a tough one, but you know, the Scarlets, if they play to their ability, they've shown they can beat anyone anywhere really. Um, but they need to get these two games into the bag first of all. Yeah, I don't think Jonathan Davis is quite such a big blow because they got obviously Scott Williams and uh, Adley Park, so I think they can cover that more. Jake Ball is the yeah. is the problem because he's a heavyweight forward, big ball, bruising ball carrier, and you know he's got a physical size to, uh, size to match the best teams in Europe. It could be a bit light at lock without him, without that extra. Uh, Bulk. Samson Lee as well. He he struggled throughout the autumn, didn't he? Yeah, we don't know what the so situation is. How long is he going to be out? You know, they need him really. Gareth out. Davis could be a doubt as well after missing the South African match. Got out of Davis, man. That's true. Yeah, so for a while. Yeah, for, the, for the rest of the season. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, obviously, talking about the Ospreys, that's where Ali Davis is heading. Uh, and Scott Williams. And Scott Williams, yeah, next year. Yeah. Uh, they're in action, they're against uh, Northampton. Uh, they travel to Franklin's Gardens. I suppose it's, it's, it's a tale of two two struggling teams there, effectively, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Northampton not going very well, and the Ospreys, no. I mean, they were, uh, they were poor against uh, 
Munster. Uh, Munster and Glasgow they, before that. Glasgow, you know, they're dropping off tattles and, uh, you know, they're really struggling. It should, it's actually a good time to be playing Northampton. The trouble is, the Ospreys yeah, are not lost, good enough shape to be playing them. lost five in a row, haven't they? Yeah, so they, really, you know, they are struggling. Their coach is under pressure, Jim Malinder. Um, George North even here, come back to Wales next season. So they are a bit of a crisis club because they are genuine big hitters like the Ospreys. Uh, you know, you really ch- fancy it in normal times, but it's not normal times because the Ospreys, you know, it's topsy turvy. Um, when it, when they, you know, when they've been off, when they off it, which they were last week, they were shocking. Really, some of the titles they were missing. It's uh, worrying. Isn't it? It's fascinating for me. The one the subplot of this is, of course, Dan Bigger going up against his future employers. You know, and uh, that would be an interesting. I one. think he's it's a doubt mine. Yeah, I think all I think all four of the Lions, uh, Alan Wynn, mm. Justin Tipperick, Reese Webb, and Dan Bigger, yeah, because we saw him go down the tunnel against South Africa, which is kind of the telltale sign. Um, I guess we have to wait and see what comes of that. They, they're obviously got back to back, so we could maybe just feature in, in the second game. It's a difficult one. We you want to play though, only because you're competitive animal. We were looking at it. You've got back to back against Northampton, and then over Christmas they've got the Scarlets away and the Dragons away. And then their first game in the new year, I believe, is the Blues at home. It's a really, really hard program for them, especially when you've got, you know, discontent among the supporters there. A lot of pressure on Steve Tandy. It's not a, it's not a great uh, run of games to have when you're when you're uh, under the cosh a bit as a coach. So um, difficult to see where the win's going to come from. Really, um, it's going to be a, a tough few weeks for the Ospreys. I suppose the one sort of. Positive. They only won two games this year, but the one positive is the last two games they played in Europe against Clermont and Saracens. They've been their best performances of the season, haven't they? Yeah, they have. They galvanised and picked themselves up for those uh, for those matches, and it makes you wonder: well, why can't they do it in the Pro 14? Well, you know, what's going on? What's the reason for that? Because uh, in some of these recent games they've lost, they've had a good side on the pitch. You know, that team that went to Glasgow should have been good enough to win there against a Glasgow team missing more players, and uh, it was a decent team went to Munster as well. And, you know, uh, Munster didn't have all their first team playing, so uh, I, 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 I struggled to work out why they capitulated. And there's, there's been a bit of news on the sort of coaching front today, hasn't there, with the Ospreys? Well, we talked about uh, you know Ali Davis and Scott Williams swapping from the Scarlets to the Ospreys, and it does seem to be that uh, cross-region moves are very much. Uh, in the talk at the vogue, moment, yeah. be in vogue at the moment because you've got it on the coaching front as well. Um, we've got uh, obviously the Ospreys and the Blues, Griff Reese leaving the Ospreys at the end of this season, and then Matt Sherratt moving from the Blues to the Ospreys to become their new um, backs coach. You know, so a movement there as well, and yet to be clear where where Griff Reese is going to go. I understand perhaps he's got a couple of options elsewhere. Um, interesting move for Matt Sherrod has obviously worked with Danny Wilson you know here and at Bristol before that uh, Danny's moving on um, Matt Sherrod has made the same kind of choice as Danny where there was an offer on the table from the Blues to continue his backs coach I understand he's decided to take another option so he's heading to the Ospreys and Matt obviously was involved with Wales for a short period you know, in, in the international campaigns so it'll be interesting to see what he can do now moving in there but um yeah, it's merry-go-round all around of coaches and players this so far the last few weeks. Yeah, what concerns me with the merry-go-round on the uh, playing side is Scott Williams and Ali Davis, both Scarlets, both got the Ospreys. I assume the Ospreys made him an offer. Perhaps the Scarlets countered that offer. Then the Ospreys made another one, might have gone back and forth, forcing the wage up. Uh, and that concerns me a bit because really the money has come from the same central pot for the competition funding. 
if we had a system of full central contracts like we have in New Zealand, you wouldn't have that type of wage inflation. Players would be in a band. So if a, if a player, say, was worth 200 grand, he'd be still in that band whether he played for the Ospreys or the Scarlets. Yeah, that's a fair point. So I just wonder, are we actually, are these regions actually throwing money away? When I say throwing money in a way, are they paying over the odds? That's one to think about, definitely. Uh, any thoughts on that, Simon? I think I mean, the, the problem with this has always been since the introduction of regional rugby that the union hasn't really been in a financial position to employ every professional player in Wales. And until you can do that and really have control of the whole thing, there's two reasons why that can't happen. One, physically, they don't actually have the available funds to do that. Better situation than they were yeah, in, but, but still not, just let me finish yeah. that, but they still can't afford to do that for every professional player. And they have made it clear that they, they're not, they don't want to go down the, the road of full central control. And we've also the fact that three of our professional teams are independently run, so you can't impose central contracts upon them. So it's not the same situation in Ireland where they do have central contracts where the four provinces are owned by the union in a similar situation as the union, but just a different scenario in Wales and a scenario that makes Andy's proposal difficult to implement in the practical terms. The only way it could be implemented, rather than the competition money, go through the WIU or pass it on to the regions, as if the central contracts came out of that competition money from the WIU. The, the, the slight difference in that is, of course, that the money is actually earned by the professional teams, earned by the regions, and actually just goes through the WIU books for accounting reasons. And the union actually acts as a conduit there. The money isn't actually owned, earned by the union. Now, obviously, if the teams are owned by the regions, by the union, that's a different scenario. But at the moment, they're independent, they earn the money, and it's just passed on to them via the union. Of course, all the players at the Dragons are centrally contracting. Well, there we go, then. Uh, and uh, that's where we'll the company move, they set up. <laughs> that's where we'll move on to next, the Dragons. Uh, nice, nice little segue there for you, Andy. I believe you've been down there today, Andrew. Yes, I've been up in the uh, valleys today. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, riding uh, went uh, via uh, Pontypridd and uh, Abercannon and Nelson to ride the roadworks at Caerphilly Roundabout, you know, which has been everywhere on the news, the chaos there. And just as I dropped in Nelson Munich, guess what? Roadworks. What I want to know, I want to know a few things about the Dragons, and given that you're a man of Gwent and you've been covering them very uh, very closely of late, um, no, in all seriousness, when you go up to Estramanach now, does it feel like a different place when you go to the Roddy Parade? Does it feel like a different place? Is there a new buzz there? Yeah, there is a, uh, yeah, yeah, a new buzz in fairness, you know, and I think that's down to one man, Bernard Jackman. I think he's a when I say he's a breath of breath of fresh air. He's, he's non-stop. It's all the time when he's on social media, coaching or whatever. He's got the city. He's got the Irish. He's Irish. He's got the sales pitch. He's got the uh, the Blarney, and uh, he's a real good talker. He's a really impressive bloke. Uh, my understanding is he was at Newbridge Rugby Club the other uh, Monday night. Yeah. There's about over hundred people there listening to him and all, and uh, he reading out of his hand. So all my sources who were at the meeting say. So he he is actually doing he is selling the dragons simple as that around the region maybe he's an argument for saying well he, he's doing stuff really other people should be doing I would say what he's doing now the dragons should have been doing when he was set up in two thousand and three so what the heck have they been doing for the past 70, uh, 14 years now my other question to you is I read you a very fine piece with Mr David Buttress the other week 
And if I remember, hang on, let me stop you there. You said the other week, obviously last week. I, I can't remember what happened yesterday, <laughs> so I go never remember that piece. Anyway, I remember it, and I, if, if memory serves me right, I think he was talking in there about the budget going up by a tune of around half a million pounds. Yeah, around. Five, so, so maybe yeah. going up to about to, about, to about four million. Say yeah, it's about four million. Yeah. Now I also read your piece yeah. about uh, Mr. Jackman, where he talks about uh, not only being interested in George North, but a couple of world class forwards as well. Yeah. Given that the budget is still going to be lower than the other Welsh regions, not hugely more than it has been, how are they going to afford these players we're talking about? Out of the other regions, afford world-class players themselves because they've got loads on their books. The Ospreys got loads, the Blues got uh, well, look, loads, the Scarlet's got loads of similar world-class players. They've obviously got less world-class players than they did down the Galactico era in the, towards the end they of the last decade. They've still got plenty now. You've got Alan Wynne-Jones, you've had well, uh, Daniel uh, Bigger, mm. Justin So what are you, are you? I, I presume what you're alluding to there is that the base funding, the base payments from the union would only sort of probably uh, fund playing budgets of about 3.5 million and the other three regions all spend over 5 million right. so I guess you're alluding to the fact that private benefactors top up the WIU payment money to allow well, those budgets. This is what they I intend know. to raise that uh, extra commercial revenue. How? By selling the Dragon sponsorship. So what are they, what's so, in place at the moment? Well, they've brought point a new marketing, a new guy to uh, a new commercial uh, person mm. uh, who's been set uh, uh, high targets to deliver revenue. So then they've got a long-term uh, plan to redevelop Rodney Parade, top end of the ground, to an entertainment complex, which will pay for the team. I have a question. Right, if they commit to a certain playing budget and bring in these players... Yeah, but don't forget, a lot of players are going to be leaving yeah, the Dragons I know, but you, season, we have, we, and that, that budget is going to free this of our budget up. But if we're saying that it's so going... Not adding to if we're, if we're, if we're saying that to fund what they want to do, they have to bring in... X amount of commercial revenue or investment in whatever shape it well, is. The more commercial revenue they get in, yeah. in theory, the more players yeah, they could bring. That's what I'm saying. But if they don't achieve that and they end up with a loss, who's going to cover that loss? Buttress, it's David Buttress, who's a minority investor, says uh, he explained in that piece how they would cover that loss. He said there was three ways. I can't remember. But one, of them, <laughs> one, of them, one of them was obviously you cut your cost of the squad. So in other words, you get rid of players. Uh, and and he didn't name two others. He said you can you know you can turn it round. He said I, he never. He said he, he said he's never failed to meet a budget. The only thing I'd say is that Welsh rugby does have a habit of seeing the ink turn red very quickly. Well, of course it does, doesn't it? And it, you know it's it, it's easy to, to lose money in Welsh rugby. Well, yes, it is absolutely. I agree with but you one hundred percent. I might be coming across as being negative. I'm not trying to be. I'm just thinking that these are the, the kind of questions that the public are asking. The public are asking well, for absolutely. He addressed them in the, the public. The, so it's available on Wales Online. Yeah, the public are asking. Well, the public is seeking a lot, really. It's absolute transparency, isn't well, it? Well, he give it. He said. Right. But I personally think it's 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 a positive thing that the the, the dragons are emerging as a, a real new potential force in Welsh rugby. I watched the highlights of the game against um, Ulster, which you covered, and I thought it was an excellent game of rugby. A good atmosphere there. I think it's positive. I just think everyone there are a lot of questions, aren't there? But well, there is because the W and a lot of those questions is arising for one fact, and that is because the WIU is a majority shareholder there. Hmm. So uh, people then, um, uh, if you like, see foul play. They think, oh, WIU are going to give you an extra help and, and all and, that. And do you I tell see you where they are benefiting, where they are benefiting is in a contrary sort of respect by like coaching resource, 
and uh, medical help and stuff like that, which actually they, they haven't for the WIU. They're probably not there. They're probably saving a lot of money by not having to pay for well, it. You can also point to the fact that essentially they're two separate companies, WIU and Dragons. Yeah, it's different. And yet, they, I, as I understand it, they're not paying any rent on Rodney Parade. Now, clearly, that. now clearly, that would be another potential saving, wouldn't yeah. it? But it's all interesting. Mind you, with the Scarlets paying rent to the Commandantry Council on uh, on Parky Scarlets, whether the Ospreys pay anything for the Liberty, I, I, I don't know. No, all good debate, all good questions. But it's certainly what it's done. The the, the events of the Dragons have made them far more high profile. Let's be honest. Yeah. How many, Jackman, how, let's it? be honest. How many minutes did we used to spend on these podcasts talking about the Dragons? It was always like, oh, and, and finally, here's the Dragons. Yeah. yeah. And I say it's all down to Jackman, really, because he has been a fresh air, and he is selling the dragon single-handedly. So will they sign George North? I think, yeah. George well, North. George North, is, they're trying to sign him, of course. So the other regions, uh, they're trying to sign him. Um, I think they were cautious, uh, cautiously optimistic, thought they might have had him, but George, understandably, is going to take his time because the WIU are not giving him a deadline till the new year. I think he's going to think about it. Uh, he's going to see who else they're recruiting, uh, and in the other regions, who are they recruiting, who's coming, who's going, who's coaching, etc. Like, for example, he doesn't know who's going to be coaching the Blues, and um, and then I think he will decide. He will work out the place where he thinks is uh, going to be uh, um, well looked after, uh, like Sam Walburton is with the Blues. Um, we'll, a team will play really attacking, uh, enterprising rugby, which will suit him, and... Um, and a team is obviously then going to uh, challenge for honours and be a really good uh, thing to be part of. So whether that's the Dragons, the Blues... Where would your money be on? Or Ospreys. Or, um, I think it'd be difficult to place them at the Ospreys because they already got so many people on NDCs and there was a lot of uh, uh, discontent from the Blues in particular early in the season about the numbers of people going there on NDCs. So politically, it'd be, I think it'd be difficult to place them there. Uh, how he left the, the circumstances which he left the Scarlets in 2013 I think that would uh, make him make it difficult for him to go back there however it's a completely different regime there from the top very top of the organisation to the bottom so maybe that would open a way his good pal Sam Auburn of course is at the Blues would that be a driving uh, help driving factor he's living in Cardiff he's got a home in Cardiff uh, and then you've got the Dragons Ross Mariotti and uh, if they can sign uh at least one of those uh, forwards, if they can pull off a stunning coup for the one, <laughs> that uh, I'm sure that will uh, that might uh, that, that might, that could swing it again, couldn't it? So, so, so who's your money on it? That was Simon's question. Well, he, he, I knew you was. Uh, <laughs> I got a question uh, for you. In your piece, I don't know. I don't know if I knew. I would say. I got another question for you. Though. You said, I think in your piece you said about foreign stars, didn't you? Yeah. I thought the whole point of the dragons venture. He's very negative about the dragons, old Ben, isn't he? I, I don't know why he's so negative. He should be speaking for the all of Welsh rugby. I thought one of the big things for the Dragons last year was going to be based very much on Welsh. Which is, but players. backed up with some true, some true world-class material. Okay. Adding experience, I stardust. Am, I think there's always not, a place for quality not, overseas players. Not always a place. Some of the journeymen, which have been employed by regions. I'm always in favour of quality overseas players. I was just. Pointing to the fact that the Hadwin said it was going to be very Welsh based. Well, they've said that. Not very Welsh, very Gwent based. Because most of the core of their squad is, uh, is um, Gwent based. Isn't it? The boys who played this autumn now, it's like Corey. Well, I shall, I, Blues region, all the others from Gwent. I shall await your updates on who's coming in with great interest. Indeed. Uh, we haven't even touched on the rugby yet. We've, we've spent so long talking about the Dragons. We haven't even talked about the I European can't. qualification hopes. 
they've got a good chance really uh, because they've got the uh, they've got the Russians this weekend. You covering that game, and I can't, I've been pulled off it because of the uh, company sports do. Uh, even though I wanted to cover the game for the listeners, screwed. Screwed, and uh, <laughs> we pulled off it because uh, on the proviso uh, from the powers that be uh, that we cover, it's got to be uh, a bonding sports for Christmas. <laughs> Indeed. So, uh, so the Russians of NSI. Yeah. yeah. So the last time they met them, that was when Ollie Griffiths got the cheap shot, wasn't it? That was right. Yeah. That guy he got abandoned. He? Um, yeah. He's back. Ollie played. He's outstanding last week. He'd be a good end of Six Nations uh, squad. Obviously, Dragons. Their uh, their aim is just to run the high uh, tempo game. So the Russians to blow up, so to speak, and uh, Dragons get a bonus point, which sets them up then home game against. Uh, uh, Newcastle, yeah. and then they've got both those. You know, there's a real chance they could get uh, they could get through. They're going to stick with much the same team as Drew with Ulster last weekend, and then bring back our Wales boys against Newcastle the following week, hopefully, uh, to set ourselves up for the derbies with the Blues and Ospreys. So it's on for them. And then there's um, the last one, yeah, game I'm going to, um, Cardiff Blues playing Sale at the AJ Bell Stadium, um, on, they, the, on, the edge of the, on the edge of the motorway in Salford. <laughs> Are the Blues, are they any nearer appointing a coach? Um, they are, yes, they are nearer. My understanding is that uh, they're edging towards that uh, event. So at the moment, then, who's deciding on all players to recontract? And are they consulting with the new coach before deciding on that? Because what well, if a new coach comes in and says, oh, I don't want that player? Well, the new just give a new two-year deal, what I, happens then? As I understand it, the new coach has not been recruited, he's not been signed up. So the focus has been on retention. Um, I was told that there are around about 14 or 15 players who are at a contract who they're particularly targeting bringing back, uh, keeping rather, and that they've, I think they've, they've managed to secure about 13 or 14. And then there's obviously been a lot of debate about Ellis Jenkins' yeah, future. Um, he's been you know, heavily linked with the Ospreys, my understanding on that. Is that you know he's been going back and forth. I mean, Ellis is a is a bright boy, and he'll be wanting to weigh all these things up. I think at one point it looked like he was joining the Ospreys. I think the Blues have come in, you know, like thrown the financial kitchen sink at him, and so the, so it's up to the boy now to decide. I think that's the one that's yet to be decided upon. So their focus has been very much on retaining the the, the core players they want to, to want to retain, and obviously they're trying to get the, the head coach in place as soon as possible. Um, and because uh, he'll then have the job also of deciding on his assistance, we know Sherrod is going, so there's going to be a big sure, job there. Sure, surely they should be tying that head coach up before they decide on him. They were apart from someone like Seb, like Alice Jenkins, who they need to keep as a future leader of the club. Yeah. Uh, apart from people, well, some other players, no, it well, should be up to the what, new what, coach. What, they to d- keep. what they've done is they were 20, 21, 22 players out of contract. So they targeted about 15 of them who they yeah. thought were absolute core players who think, you know, you would, general consensus would be that they want to keep them. And then I think it's about six or seven other players which they probably wait on to the yeah. new head coaches yes. in place and he can make a judgment on those they're not really focusing on bringing new players in because for, for that very reason that you've said although there are they are focusing on bringing new players and all and why not just uh, make an internal appointment as a new coach well clearly they decided they want to go outside to find someone was there any point if he haven't got money to spend on players well the, the budget next season will be about 4.9 million pounds so it, you know it's Nothing compared to sort of um, the Irish and what's uh, less than the Irish and the English budgets, but I, I still think you know it's a reasonably significant amount of money, and it's a reasonably significant job, and there's a lot of people have applied for it. Now, whether they get the person they want, time will tell. Um, 
but I think you know when you go into a job like that, you you go in with a go-to attitude, a can-do attitude, yeah. really, don't you? You know, because you know it is a big big team, a big region, a big club, and have achieved things in Europe before. And I think for an ambitious coach going in, they'd be a good job. Yeah, but that, you know, that, that you say they've achieved things before. They have, yeah. And back in about two thousand ten, if that's five or six years without success, well, you, you know, yeah. my argument: they should be achieving things on a regular basis. They should be Welsh rugby's equivalent of uh, Leinster, equivalent of uh, Leicester Tigers. Should be, you know, they should be like um, Leinster, be able to compete with the French. Do you because think? Do you the think? Then, should be a massive. Do you think they they've underachieved the then? Of course, they have. They should be the most powerful region in Wales by well, because they've still got goodwill of the business people of Cardiff. Obviously, the richest place in Wales got the most sponsorship. They got uh, commercially, like a dragon's friend raised a lot more commercially. The Blues should be raising loads of money. You know, so where's the what's, where's the failings there? There, as far as you're concerned. Well, they they failed started, didn't it? Because at the, initially they started, they were standing alone, mm. and they've carried the historical debt with them. Whereas the Osprey started off with a clean sheet of uh, paper. Uh, Scarlets were. I mean, they got quite a lot of debt now, but um, they, uh, their debt was reduced because of the stadium being built for them. And um, and the Dragons now have got a clean sheet of paper. When they started off, they, they, they were in financial trouble, their initial company. After a couple of months, they had to form a, a new company. Mm. But the Blues problem is, of course, but the root of their problem is historical debt they've carried over from the Cardiff, Cardiff RFC days. They've never been able to shake it off, and the debt has got. Bigger bigger. I suppose essentially the majority of that debt is owed to Peter Thomas, the chairman, and realistically he knows he's not going to get that money back. So it's not as if there's a debt which they have to keep servicing to a large well, extent. If, if he's, any, he's a guarantor on the debt. Yeah, but somebody in the Thomas family eventually might want our money back. Um, we'd have to obviously know exactly what's written into the documents to uh, determine what happens in that event, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, the key for them, the key for them... Is the ground redevelopment plan. They've got to redevelop. They've got to find a way of raising money yeah, but of to course, help pay for the team. There's a massive stumbling block there is they have to reach agreement with the Cardiff Athletic Club on an extended loan first, at least for, first of all. Yeah, well, surely, shouldn't the Cardiff Athletic Club, if they want professional rugby... At Cardiff Blues, surely they should be able to come to some deal with the team they support. You'd have to ask the Cardiff Athletic Club that, wouldn't you? I mean, why haven't they reached a deal? You'd have to ask them. Right, I think that's enough of that now. I think let's get back onto uh, matters on the field. <laughs> and on the field, um, what happened? Really, Glas- I want to know what happened in Glasgow last weekend. Was it as bad as the Ospreys at Glasgow? No, it wasn't actually. I mean, I covered that game, you know, off the tube, and um, the Blues were leading. Why were you in London? The Blues were leading 13-7 and you know, were, to be honest were the better team for the first 29 minutes they, they scored a very good try through Macaulay Cook they were really dominant in possession and territory mm-hmm. Glasgow were coming back into a bit and of course there was a, you know, an absolute key moment when, when Fao Felice was sent off by Nigel Owens it's the decision that's you know, divided opinion to say the least and it's, you know, a lot of people have different views on it I watched it live and I you know, when you first see it, it really doesn't look too much. When it was slowed down, you could see what the issue was was being talked about. I, I kind of expected just a yellow. Very difficult one though, because once the um, TMO had uh, called on Nigel to check it, um, and once you slow it down and you see that there is shoulder to head contact, the directive is no. It's, it's one of two things: it's either no offence, no penalty, or it's red card. That was the difficulty. I felt sorry for Felice because if you watch the incident back. 
the player George Turner from Glasgow, their hooker, was kind of propelled towards Felice by a hit from Macaulay Cook. So it almost arrived at uh, Felice quickly and it didn't have time to fully wrap his arm. It's a tough one. Um, it, and it certainly had a massive implication on the game. I mean, even when they were down to 13 men after Ollie Robinson was yellow carded in the second half, they were still leading after 55 minutes. But then in the, the final quarter, the kind of down burst and, and Glasgow went away. But they were encouraging signs, right? And I suppose they go into this weekend's game, game against Sale in a strong position in the group. Absolutely They've won nice. their first two matches and uh, they got back to back against Sale. I think if they can certainly get one win out of those two, then they will go into Christmas in a very good position if they win both of them they pretty much home and host in the group so so should he have been sent off in your opinion when I watched it live and I thought it was a yellow card but then again I've you know I've spoken to referees about it and it's a difficult one because the, the directive is clear once you have a, once you've confirmed in your own mind that it's a, an illegal offence of shoulder to head then it has to be a red card I watched recording a weekend of Ireland Argentina and there was a similar incident in that match. I can't remember the Irish player, but it was on the, one of the Argentine centres. I think it was Inglesias. Inglesias said, oh, it was nothing ref. But they looked at it, went upstairs and all, and in the, re- in the ref decided there was nothing. But to me, I couldn't see the difference between that incident and the Felici one. Yeah, I thought he was unlucky. Mm. There is a lot of inconsistencies at the minute. We'll uh, wrap it up there, lads. Uh, we'll just get predictions, I guess. Right, predictions. And you go first, Dragoons. Uh, your boys. They're not my boys at all. <laughs> <laughs> Dragons, it, well, you got to beat the Russians, yeah. Bonus point. Uh, okay. Blues is a hard one to call. Um, they've got an issue with the open side flank because um, Alice Jenkins, Sam Warburton, Jim, both of them all are injured, and, and Avidi's being rested of his European exploits. So they've got an Ollie so Robinson. And Ollie Robinson has gone back to the Bristols. They have a little bit of an issue at seven. I still think the Blues can win that game. Nod Sale. Sale are very good at home. I think they close. Go. I think it's a one score game, and I'm going to go for the Blues to win it. Uh, the Ospreys away to Northampton I suppose it's uh, could be a real dogfight that one that could be a dogfight I would have thought uh, uh, Northampton win getting on home soil Ospreys got a sh- really poor record in England and uh, yeah Osp- uh, Northampton will win that one and if the Ospreys are missing Alan win and all that they might actually could be a game where Northampton get together but and uh, Scarlet, I, mean, I think. Well, who do you think will win Northampton? Oh, Northampton, yeah. All right, Scarlet. Scarlet's bonus point victory of the Teresa Benetton. Benetton, we have to call him now. Benetton, yeah, yeah, bonus point victory. I think uh, Benetton might not. I think no mugs this season. So Scarlet's had uh, problems against them early in the season. Yeah. And they, um, yeah, Scarlet's with a bonus point. Got to do it. Well, there we go, chaps. Well, I'm glad to see as Christmas uh, comes around the corner, that Andy's been handing out some presents because there's some very, very strong comments on there which our readers and listeners will enjoy. Absolutely. I think that's the post-autumn hangover just about over. Uh, you can keep up to date with all the latest news and rugby on Wales Online.